Computer, initialize Holosuite. Shuttle with the blast shield. Yes. The blast Stop shield no, is the blast shield. It comes down and it goes up. Blast shield. We know, we know, we missed a week, Katie. We missed our first episode review week. Sorry. Thus far, after a season and a half. Yes, sorry indeed. We did miss out, and we had good reason, Katie, because we were going to record, and it was going to, the night before the episode was meant to go out. We put the kids to sleep like normal, set everything up. I was going to come up to you, get you to come down to record and then bless you were asleep in bed with Eliza you'd fallen asleep putting her to sleep typically I would wake you up but I thought you know bless her she's obviously tired I let you sleep and as such promised we'd release Blast Shield two days later forgetting that two days later was your sister's wedding yeah so I did a really bad job in general so rather than fess up to uh, running late with the episode again I decided that silence was the best policy until I got called out on it yes we did miss a a week and so this is gonna make this week's episode a little bit different uh, because we will be going through two episodes it's not gonna be a double length episode but it is gonna be a double whammy it's a double whammy and we are going to just basically talk about our favorite parts from each episode not go into it in the detail maybe we normally do partly because it's late as we record this now and uh, also Katie it's uh It's Tuesday. Well, if you listen to this on release day, it's Tuesday. It's the first time we've released on a Tuesday. Two for Tuesday. We're doing a Domino's. We are. We are. Just for this week. Yeah, just this week. Uh, But we are releasing on Tuesdays going forward for the rest of the episode reviews throughout the season. So uh, you can catch us every Tuesday from now on. Slightly later than I wanted after an episode drops, but we have a lot of stuff going on. And it's easier for me to edit on a Monday night. Yeah, September's September's nuts. September's just a busy month. Kids back in school. Weddings. Weddings. Actually being able to work because the kids are going back to school. Yeah, you've got a lot going on. I'm really busy with work right now. Mm. We make enough time for Lower Decks, though. It's nice to have a little bit of track to look forward to each week. And that won't change. After this finishes, we've got Prodigy. And then, a few weeks after that starts, we've got Discovery Season 4. Oh, I am looking forward to discovering. Less than two months, Kate, until a new season. It's happening. It is happening. So uh, we won't waste any more time. Uh, Let's just quickly talk about something we kind of touched on on the brand new episode of of her first Trek, a Star Trek review podcast. That's now moved to Mondays, uh, if you weren't sure about that. So a little bit of a schedule switcheroo. But yes, last Friday, so a few days ago, we went for dinner with the the podcast hosts of Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek review podcast joined by uh, Geraldine and Gemma as well, that's Baz and Jeff's partners, and uh, we had a great time, didn't we? It was really nice. Italian it was so food. cool. Yeah, it was good to uh, to meet fellow Holosuite Media podcast hosts, and uh, you know, I, I helped them get their podcast up and running, set up, so I've always felt a sense of investment in their show, and it was great to meet them. Uh, we're all actually from South Wales, so it just happened that way. Myself, Baz and Jeff did not know each other. It's so weird, Yeah, before it? any of this, and yet uh, we're all from around the Cardiff area with lockdowns and such going on. Couldn't meet previously, but we have met now, and I had a really good time. I just want to make a shout out to Baz, Gemma, Jeff, Geraldine, and say thank you for a great evening. Uh, it was so nice. Hope it's the first of more, and look forward to chatting more Trek with them in the future. Yeah, although we did, like, I think they were taking bets on how long it would take for Star Trek to become a topic of conversation. Yes, they were. Longer than I thought. Yeah, it looks like Gemma 
and Geraldine had the bet about when we would change the conversation to Star Trek. And it did go on a while. And I was the guilty one. It was me. Was it? Yeah, it was me. And it came about in a way you wouldn't expect. It wasn't a case of, you know, oh, what do you think of the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks then? It was actually Jeff telling us about a time when he used to work in Woolworths and oh, work yeah. on the entertainment section. And Woolworths is obviously... How would you describe the shop of oh, Woolworths? God, they did everything, didn't they? No, everything. Uh, it's they, like... B&M Bargains, I guess, but... Yeah, I guess. They kind of had everything there. They had, well, DVDs went out at the time, but, you know, videotapes and uh, music and household items. Pick and mix. Pick and mix food, yeah. Books, I think. All sorts of stuff going on there. Uh, but it doesn't exist anymore. It crashed, I think, around the time of the 2009 recession, was it? Yeah, I think yeah. you might be right. It does still exist. It's 2009, in like... 2007, the recession. Around there. Uh, I don't know. It yeah. does still exist in like France and Germany though. Probably not the same company well, itself. I don't know. Though, it seems like a bit of a weird coinky yeah, to have it, two places yeah, called Sometimes we'll learn the franchise rights and stuff too. I don't know. Yes, yeah, so he was talking about when he worked in that section. And I by chance mentioned that when I used to watch videotapes of Star Trek when I was a kid and my parents used to get them, we used to buy them from the Woolworths in Swansea. And mm. uh, we'd get them from the video section. And I remember we even went on the day after my sister was born. So on February 3rd, 1998, tested myself there. But when my sister was born, she was born on the 2nd. On the 3rd, uh, we went to meet my new baby sister. I was 12 years old, almost. And we then went to pick up the new videotapes of Star Trek that were out, which was season 6, uh, the first two episodes of Deep Space Nine, and Star Trek Voyages, first two episodes of season 4. Wow, what an amazing memory. Also... Yep, sticks with me. But uh, So yeah, I was the one to drop the first I hope Star Trek talk. your mum wasn't also there. I hope no, she was resting. My mum was in hospital. Okay, good. Uh, with the baby. This was back when they didn't really let you out right away. So, yeah, yeah. Like normally, my mum was like, oh, after you have a baby, you'll stay in hospital for like a week. And now was it's it? Like, Less than 24 hours after Eliza, they were like, okay, good luck, bye. Well, they're checking you out like when they're still cutting the cord, really, now when you're having a baby. Yeah. So we'd like to snip the cord, and as you're doing it, they're... Uh, Slowly yeah, wheeling you out. Wheeling your bed out and uh, saying, off you go. They'll just grab your placenta before they wheel you out completely. Yeah. So I don't know who of Gemma and Geraldine had bets on the first Star Trek chat being about uh, VHS tapes from Woolworths. Um, many a moon ago, but that was it. So yes, thank you very much for a great night. Now, before we get into our Star Trek Lower Decks discussion, Katie, please give us a follow on social media. You can follow us at Blast Shield Up, which is our social media handle across Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter. Follow us there. I've been a bit quiet on social media recently, but we're still active. We're still doing stuff on there. So please give us a follow and you will get up to speed on any of the latest news that is going on. Uh, and don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you could. Uh, haven't had any new reviews recently. Promise though, if you drop us a review on there, we will read it out on air for you, along with your name. That'd be lovely. And a podcast sent Virtual cuddle. Oh, a virtual cuddle over air. We can do that. We can do that. Let's talk about it. We've got two episodes, and we're just going to sort of summarise the plot very quickly. Uh, the first episode, Katie, I'm going to test you now. It's been about a week since you watched I it. I know, right? Uh, ah. It was called An Embarrassment of Duplers. Mm-hmm. That was the name of the episode. And I would like to hear from you what you even remember happening in the okay, episode. Okay, now, I was saying this um, on Friday night that my memory is so poor that even if I've watched something a couple of hours later, I'll be like, who? What? Where? When? Why? Dunno. So I'm going to give it a go. So the Cerritos has been tasked with looking after or transporting this alien who has an emotional response to anything um, duplicates. Yes. And so they... Played by Richard Kind, by the way. Oh. Fantastic comedy actor. They've been like 
walking on eggshells on him around for like all week because he's just so volatile that he could just du- duplicate any minute. And it's quite funny to see them all like, I don't know, just like staring at him like with through gritted teeth and yes, stuff. Trying not to do anything that yeah. could cause him to... Uh... And then uh, Captain Freeman starts telling somebody from Starfleet, oh, it's been an absolute nightmare having in here. And then of course he walks in and hears that and he's like, I've been a terrible guest and starts duplicating all over the place. And she's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, no. And then everything she says or anyone does... Creates loads of them. Yeah. I thought what the funniest thing was after he duplicated the first time was that he then duplicated again because he was embarrassed that he, he duplicated. duplicated. Yeah, and then he just kept <laughs> yeah. duplicating because he was so embarrassed at, at how embarrassing it was he was duplicating, yeah. and that was that almost filled the bridge on its own. And then mm. everything that was happening, it was like, and it was all over the ship then as well. It was just going and going and going. And in the meantime, they're at some space station, and there's some super cool party going on. And Mariner and Boimler are desperate to go, so they realise that being on their ship, they won't be on the list. So she convinces Boimler that he should pretend to be his transporter clone. Because he'll probably be on the list, right? He's from the Titan. William Boimler. William Boimler. Um, so they go down to the space station. They're like, yeah, cool, we're going to do this. But anyway, they run into someone that Mariner used to know. Hey, turns out she used to live there. Yeah. Building yeah. her whole backstory. Yes, yeah, so she served there as well, apparently. So we're um, adding in bits and pieces now. Yeah, so she meets someone who's clearly not very happy with her and then puts some illegal weapons in some car thing that she's riding and hence hence is that where to use that right i don't and know thus, and thus an epic car chase i'm glad you said epic because it was an incredible car chase in fact i'm gonna put it out there now it's the best car chase scene we've seen in star trek i mean you don't see many you'd be surprised <laughs> really? at what we've seen though uh, we saw one in star trek nemesis which is actually a pretty cool sequence uh, it looks like we're going to get one in star trek picard season two from uh, the trailer but that looks like it's going to be an old-fashioned 21st century car chase scene uh, this was an amazing chase scene where they're being chased by the police because yeah this guy is screwed over mariner basically they thought they were um, taking around data commander data uh, bubble baths uh, a couple of laws were snuck in there as well turns out there's klingon uh, disruptors I think it was, wasn't it? Klingon disruptors mm. uh, underneath. So uh, they were on the run from them, driving through the base. And just the animation was just And incredible. screams. Let's talk about their screams. Oh, the screams. We've said this before. Lower Decks has the best screams on TV. Mm. Um, even like almost like shrieks. Yeah. I want to watch them do it in the recording booth. Mm-mm. Particularly. He must have a sore Jack throat Wade. after. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. It's got to be there with the old lemon water. Just trying to uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort his, his throat out. So yeah, a great chase takes place. Uh, they end up going through the Avery and all sorts. Yeah, see some uh, Vulcans. But did they get into the party in the end? They, well, Boimler did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariner did not. And then Boimler does what he did best. Did what he does best. And abandons Mariner. And he's like, I'm going into the party. And she's like, screw you, I don't need that party. Yeah. And he goes in. But then um, he realizes that being there without her is rubbish. So he finds, her in, a finds her in a bar. And it turns out Kirk and Spock used to drink there. Yeah. Apparently Kirk and Spock had tried to get into this party previously and etched their I thought that names was cool. off the bar. Um, I would imagine it was probably old James Kirk that etched their names into the bar. Um, yeah, I don't think Spock would see the logic in that. No. It would be highly illogical to... 
to face something. To face the wood for 100 years. Well, more than 100 years, actually. Uh, Yes, uh, they and they bond. Mariner finally calls him out on the fact he hasn't apologized yet for... Mm. How he just up and left them mid-shift, basically. Uh, so this was the first time, really, that they've dealt with that since yeah. season one's finale. So I thought that was uh, cool. Did you expect it to come up in this episode? As the episode was going on, did you think we're headed towards the payoff? Or was um, it kind of like, oh, wow, that's come out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, we need to deal with this. No, I'd, I thought she was just over it now. You know? Oh, Mariner holds a grudge. No, well, I can see that, but I and then I also thought once he abandoned her to go to this party, I was thinking like, "Wow, what a douchebag!" Yeah, he was a bit douche. Well, you know, Boimler does this, and we'll chat about yeah, this exactly. later this is what for I was the next episode. Say. He Boimler is easily swayed into being a douchebag because mm. his ambition um, supersedes his. Um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Obligation to other Obligations, people. Obligations, sensitivities. Friendship friendships maybe come on, we'll come on to it maybe we'll start to see him flip now towards putting friendships first but certainly didn't there uh, big shout out actually loads of cameos and stuff in this episode uh, the biggest one for me though is we got to see commander shelby now known as captain shelby at the party no spoken lines but we saw her and that was a big deal because uh, you haven't seen her yet but um shelby was in um cons- is what in what is considered um one of the greatest episodes of star trek ever the best of both worlds uh, that's the one where Picard becomes a Borg. Ah. Uh, so uh, she's in that. And we never see her again after that. But big character. Great to see her. So we've had it established now. She went on to become a captain, uh, which is no surprise, really. And uh, we saw loads of other bits and pieces. I won't go through it all. But her number one, her commander, uh, the commander for her was... Um, so the, I don't know how to describe it, really. Basically, the original makeup they tried for Saru on Discovery was too oh, complicated yeah. for them. So they went to what we got now. And then the design that they originally had for Saru, I guess, is now a different species. And that's what Shelby's first officer was, whatever that species would be called now. And we also saw, you know, the Vulcans you just mentioned there when in the mm. car chase, when they drive through the car. They were on one of the Enterprise-era Vulcan ships. Oh. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, I did no. straight away because it, it's a gorgeous design, the Vulcan ships from the 22nd century. So, uh, yes, so they finally bond as well. And uh, during this, well, obviously, Freeman doesn't get into the party and does the... Com- complete dick move of after they finally resolve the issue of the duplers it turns out insulting them makes them go back into one eventually she beams the dupler into the party knowing that he'd be so concerned after everyone would be annoyed that he was there that it would ruin the party with uh, duplications so uh, i'm fairly sure that's like an act of terrorism yeah it, it let's, wasn't let's great. just talk about that it wasn't great like biological warfare yeah and then uh, obviously uh, before that though uh, rutherford is also dealing with issues from the end of season one where he thinks he's not as smart as he used to be can't remember how to do certain things and if you remember like i raised this on yeah. one of our last episodes that i thought rutherford wasn't as intelligent as he was previously mm-hmm. and so uh, it's interesting the show then address that it clearly must have been deliberate uh, but we saw some real sort of bonding between Tendy and Rutherford again. Uh, this was very old school, wasn't it? It was Mariner and Boimler and Rutherford. Yeah, and I thing. thought that. First but... time this season, I think. Yeah, but it was actually kind of unusual as well because we haven't seen it mm. for a little while. So it was like back to basics, but also... Felt fresh. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Did you have any favourite parts in this episode then? Love the bit where um, Captain Freeman and Tana and Shax are like so sure they're going to get into the party with the speech. And then 
snap cut too. Yeah, yeah, hey, she's just eating like shawarma yeah. on the steps. And Ransom was like, thing. I liked your speech, yeah, Captain. It was good. It's just so funny because it takes the mick out of everything that normally happens. When, you when they just deliver an amazing speech and then it just works. Um, also really liked the bit where the Jupler people were in the party. Thought that was great. Watching them pile up against the doors, of yeah, the windows so, yeah. so quickly. Uh, if you missed it as well in the end, uh, for anyone listening, they when you get like an establishing shot outside the station again and towards the end of the Cerritos there, you can see lo- lots of like purple flashing lights in a very small window on the starbase, and that was the dupla duplicating still so it's just a funny gag that you wouldn't well i didn't see it the first time but i saw it the second time we watched it which is what lower decks is famous for really my favorite parts was the car chase i thought was it was mm. brilliant I, I just loved like i said earlier the first uh, time the dupla duplicated and then duplicated yeah, again yeah, from sheer yeah. embarrassment that, that really really tickled me and um i thought richard kind was great in the role there was also that bit where they're, when they're sitting in the bar and Marin is like, oh, you're my number one. You have to grow a beard. That made me laugh way more than I probably should have. Yeah, yeah. And we saw a model of Deep Space Nine, if you remember right, at the end. Uh, Rutherford and Tendy were given oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a model of Deep Space Nine to put together. And they went past quarks. So we've yeah. now esta- we've seen different quark establishments uh, twice on Lower Decks now. And obviously in Picard, we've seen one which is about uh, almost 20 years after this. So things are going well for our favourite Ferengi. I- I'm insisting that I think this is all leading towards Quark appearing on the show in a cameo. But we've already had Ferengi. Surely at that point we would have had him there if we were going to have him at all. True. And I don't know how well he can do Quark as a Ferengi in animation. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because like the-, the way they draw them, we've tried to make him look more like the evil Ferengi. And Quark doesn't have that look really? about him, I don't think. Well, no, it looks evil, but Quark just has... We said this when we watched Deep Space Nine recently, like, Quark and his makeup, it's so good, his makeup, that you forget it's makeup with mm. Quark. Whereas any other Ferengi looks like probably someone wearing makeup, but something about Armin Schumann playing Quark, you just you forget that it's a guy in makeup. Uh, so, uh, again, we're doing it differently this week. We're kind of racing through these reviews. What do you think of this episode as a whole, then? Yeah, it was banging. Yeah, one of the best so far at that point? I think I preferred the previous week's one. Oh, yeah. For like the the constant lols, with all but... the the banging and oh I, no sorry I meant the one before that the one before that the one with Ransom's gym was it the opening episode of the season oh was it God you're all over the place I really am <laughs> joking what uh, so, about for you do you think it was the best uh, I really enjoyed it I thought there was moments that I thought there was moments that made it the best like the car chase was just next level for lower decks I think uh, it was up there with like the big battle that took place during the season finale I thought last season. Mm. Like just for just um, how amazingly well constructed it was. Like it's crazy to think people are drawing that with their hands. It's... I know it's so well. They're probably not doing well, it with their do. hands these days, are they? Well, yeah, it goes through all, lots of other programs and stuff, but they still hand draw. Do you know the the uh, teleporter effect? I remember Mike McMahon saying that they could have just CGI'd the transporter effect for the show, but the artists were adamant they wanted to even hand draw that as well. So the Anytime you see the t- the transporter effect, it's been hand drawn as well, rather than just oh. a computer effect. So interesting uh, piece of trivia. Okay. Don't know if it's still like that. I know it wasn't season one anyway. Uh, so uh, let's get on then to episode six, which uh, the episode was called "The Spy Humongous." And uh, yeah, I mean, you know what's quite funny? I thought for the most part in season one, episode titles still seemed quite serious. Okay, we had moist vessel and stuff like that, but. Generally speaking, the episode titles seemed like Star Trek episode titles. If you saw them in a list of mm. 
episode titles, you wouldn't know they were lower decks. I feel like that's changed in season two. I, what I what is the play on spy humongous thing? Like, what is that? Oh, I assumed it was like a spy among us, but um, yeah, I could be wrong on that. That could make sense. I was wondering if it was like an Austin Powers joke, but I, I didn't get it. Okay, that makes way uh, more sense. There we go. Uh, so this episode uh, kind of touches on the main storyline of the show since the first season finale, No Small Parts, where the Packlids are the official bad guys right now of the show. And they've become off threatening on the show until now. This episode kind of treated them more of the joke that we... It dumbs them the hell it, it, down. It did dumb them back down. Uh, not that they were being dumbed up, up at all. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where we are now, with the, how these, what these phrases actually mean, but... Um, but they, they would just seem more aggressive and that they could back up their their might in more recent episodes. Yeah, but this one really had them as seemingly very, very stupid, which is what they I, are. I remember you saying, like, they've always been a sort of joke. Hmm. And now Lower Decks made them so serious. Yeah. And yeah. then in this episode, I'm like, are they serious though? Yeah, but you know, this episode, and I think just the season as a whole, is suggesting that someone could be pulling the strings behind them. You reckon? Yeah, if you remember Riker said a few episodes ago, that they thought someone could be pulling the strings at the pack lids. And I'm starting to think that could be the case. So mm. maybe that's going to be season finale revelation. Yeah, but yeah, so Freeman's going there to try and arrange a ceasefire. Great. She finally got recognition, which she didn't get in the previous episode for her exploits against the, the pack lids. And I loved that the pack lids home planet was called, what was it? Pack lid homeworld or something? Pack lid like planet. Pack lid planet. It was called pack lid planet. It sounds uh, like a chicken joint. Yeah, just a funny name. Of course they'd call it that. Uh, so they were all incredibly stupid. It turns out none of them had a hat big enough to negotiate a ceasefire. <laughs> uh, even when she meets the king, she can't do it with the king. And I thought she just goes along with that as well, by the way. She's like, okay, find me with someone, with, someone very with a bigger helmet. She was being very patient. She was doing Picard stuff, as, yeah. uh, as Shaq's mentioned earlier in the episode. Maybe she'd get an Enterprise. An um, Enterprise. <laughs> the funny thing was, when she finally got to the Emperor, obviously, um, suddenly a bunch of rebels come in and take over control of the packlids. I found it interesting, or, or funny, I should say, that they were all convinced that she was Captain Janeway. Yeah. So Janeway wouldn't have been back for all that long at this point, so she's obviously got a big reputation. Also tying into the, the whole packlid thing was that there was a spy on the Cerritos. They tried to make it out that he wasn't. He was just an escaped prisoner, and Ransom initially felt that. And uh, Kayshawn, by the way who we haven't had yeah, in a speaking role for a while. Yeah. Uh, he, he was there. You know he's starting to remind me of? Who's the one in um, Futurama? Oh, Dr. Zoiberg. Dr. Zoiberg. Like, the animation for yeah, Keishon's reminded me of that. It just makes me laugh to look at him. Uh, yeah, so they thought they were offering asylum at first until they realised that this pack leader was actually a spy and <laughs> really bad at it. So he starts asking to see, like, the warp core and the he wants their codes and <laughs> all this stuff. Will so they took him to your the, shield? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they took him to the top secret... Juice bar. Juice bar. Uh, they took him gift to... Gift shop. Yeah, the gift shop, uh, which I wonder if there was a real gift shop, because he was wearing a Cerritos t-shirt. That would, so. like, hands down be my favourite place on any starship. Just popping into a... Yeah, I, I would love to do that. Although, if you're working on that ship, are you really going to want, like, a USS Cerritos top? But it could be a Enterprise E things and stuff like that. Get an Enterprise E t-shirt. But then you could just replicate one anyway. This is my question. Like, why do people not just replicate anything they want to buy? Like, can you replicate gold press latinum? Well, no, I don't think you can. It's a good point, but I imagine, I imagine there'd be a way to check if it was real or not. Quark would probably just be able to look at it. Uh, yeah, say. otherwise, Quark. Yeah, Quark would, would know straight away. Probably like just be able to tap it. 
I'd know. Sniff it. Uh, so this pack lid, um, when thinking it's going to the toilet, actually let itself out of an airlock. Turns out, though, pack lids are so stupid that they can't even die in space. And so even though he was seemingly floating in space for a while, uh, they got him back and he was fine, he was fine after Can they... Can we just talk about how quickly he managed to bring about his own almost demise? So you're referring, obviously, to the fact that he was behind them, uh, behind Ransom and Kayshawn, and suddenly he was gone. They quickly asked the computer where he was, and the computer says there is no pack lid on the ship. It must have been about five seconds. Yes. But somehow he managed to... Get into an airlock. Deface an airlock. Do something, something unspeakable in sh- there. Yeah, as Shax describes it later on. And then let himself into space. Um, so clearly, not all there as a spy, but very uh, fast on his feet. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe well, that's why literally. they sent him. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so that's all quite funny. I mean, that also ties into the... Uh, the main plot for our Lower Deckers, uh, which was quite a lot going on this episode now, actually, as I'm saying mm. it. So we had um, Mariner, Rutherford and Tendy together again, uh, which was the, uh, the first time, I think, since episode two of the season. So, uh, yeah, I thought uh, it was quite good seeing them. They're doing, um, they're just basically having to get rid of all the cool stuff that the senior crew have been collecting from planets and that and uh, boxing it up and sending it away. It was quite funny this, I thought, seeing that, because, yeah, they take on a lot of stuff on these missions, and you wonder what happens to it. So I can't, it was quite funny thinking that senior crew just got it sprawled along the tables and floors of their quarters and stuff, uh, and then someone else I love the idea that, that when they clean it up, this all this serious stuff, like, really happens, like, Rutherford gets blown up to the size of, like... Becomes engorged. Yeah, engorged. Um, <laughs> I like it. And I love that as he's getting bigger, you think he's going to turn into some kind of monster, but he just turns into, like... A very, very fat man. It's almost like that bit in, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where the girl blows up to a blueberry. Oh, see, I was going to say Ghostbusters. You know when the big, uh, the ghost, whatever his name is, is oh, like walking Pilsbury through the... Oh, Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, yeah he does look like that. That's what I thought of Rutherford. That reminds me of Eliza when she was a baby. <laughs> it is like Eliza, yeah. You're... Not now. Yeah, not now, but yeah, she definitely liked the older milk when she was a, a newborn. <laughs> and uh, obviously things went wrong for Rutherford, Mariner as well. She had these things stick in her face. She looked like she got electrocuted by something. She got stuck to the ceiling in purple goo. Yeah, the two of them weren't looking forward to this uh, assignment uh, that they were given, and it was backed up by what was going on. Tendy was trying to see the positive side. and um, She always does. And finally Mariner had a go at her and was like, stop trying trying to make out that everything's amazing all the time. It's not. Sometimes it's just rubbish, you know. And uh, it all goes wrong. Teddy has an encounter with one of my favourite Star Trek aliens of all time. That weird, giant slime slug that shrieked in fear. Like, it looks like it's constantly scared. So when it finally became large, it, it screamed. I think Teddy It was like a screamed. boimless scream. It was like a boimless scream. I'd be curious to see who did the voice for it. Teddy gets swallowed by it and then ends up getting... Quickly digested. Yeah, and shot out of its bum. And I mean, its anus was incredibly detailed, I thought. For a slime monster. Yeah. Could have got away with just like a slit. Yeah. But, but it had like it had a an proper actual like... bum. Yeah, resembled a bum. Mm. A bum hole, yeah. Mm. So uh, lots of detail. Uh, been a bit adult this season. Uh, so that that's, I think, my favourite alien in all of Trek now. Um, like random guest alien. And then, uh, so finally, Tendy's... She's been beaten down by it all. She's overcome with rage. Yeah, and uh, she has this, like, mood box thing that turns her into a giant scorpion. And then we come around to what we were saying earlier about Boimler abandoning his friends. He had abandoned them on this uh, job 
for the day because he was with the Red Shirts, apparently a group who were trying to, um, well, they called themselves the Red Shirts thinking it was cool because they're command, but ignoring the fact that the Red Shirts tend to get killed and you wouldn't want to be a part of that group. Um, but uh, maybe uh, maybe in the future, maybe 100 years after Kirk Clark, that's changed and the Red Shirts is a good thing. I don't think so. Yeah. I think it was irony for our benefit. They were trying to prep Boimler to become a better Starfleet officer uh, so that he could be a captain one day. And it meant giving up his friends and pretty much everything that makes Boimler Boimler. And I love that Boimler just really thought it was cool, all the stuff that his friends were getting up to. And uh, I, me- I remember like this group, and Jen was one of them, Jen the Andorian. Oh, I didn't notice that. No, we oh, hate I Jen. I didn't notice. God's sake, Jen. Yeah, and then uh, they tried to tell uh, Boimler that, you know, you need to be careful who you surround yourself with and stuff like that now. And Boimler's like, yeah, I know my friends are cool. I kind of like that. Uh, and then Boimler's the one who manages to stop Tendi, who's become this giant scorpion, uh, by making it's a mood thing. So he tries to make her laugh. And so he starts, like, replicating stuff that's uh, dropping him. He sets his hair on fire with candles. He gets attacked by all sorts of food spit. I don't even know what the hell that thing is that he makes at the end. I'd love to read the script to see what he's actually (laughs) saying. All I remember is shrimp. And at the end, hot. (laughs) So like, (laughs) so it was hot and uh, tiny stuff Why did he have to burn himself? He could have just said like regular temperature and then, yes, it would have been gross, but... And so uh, that works. Uh, But it means he gets ejected from... I have a question though. How many more times is Boimler going to abandon his friends and then Mm -hmm. realise that it's a terrible idea before he just goes, you know what, won't abandon my friends? I thought it was was dealt with slightly differently here because like Mariner was jealous of him for doing it. Like when he abandoned them and she was like, she was like, oh man, what a damn him. How how did he, how didn't I think of that first? So I thought that was, that was the difference here compared to normal. So no one was offended. They'd skived off. And then when push came to shove of actually sort of choosing some command over his friends, he chose his friends. Also a question, like, logically speaking. You know when they, the red shirts were like, hey, we can get you out of ACD or whatever that thing was. Yeah. Anomaly consolidation duty. Boom. I can't believe well I actually remember that. I'd forgotten that, yeah. I think that's right. How are they able to get him out of it when they are the same rank as him. I don't know. I don't know what they did. It's very confusing. Yeah. I don't know. I have no clue what they did. But surely but... in that case, Boimler could have got out of it anyway. Because they were just a bunch of, yeah, ensigns as well. Yeah. They were a bunch of nobodies. And why weren't they actually doing their duties all day? They were like too busy giving Boimler a makeover and telling him what he was not good at. Like, at the end of Go the... and do some work. At the end of it, the one of them left in the group is the one ends up having to presumably clean up like pack lid poop yeah from uh <laughs> from the airlock so uh, and that was uh that was our episode but i'll get on to the final scene in a oh. moment but let's talk about um just about the rest of the episode to begin i mean did did you enjoy this episode i guess yeah it was yes. really good i actually enjoyed this one more than last week's one okay i don't know i thought it was really funny and and the idea of this kind of stuff going on on a regular ship just really made me laugh like what does happen to all that space crap yeah yeah. like do people actually get blown up or spiked in the face or turn into scorpions we just don't know about it yeah i feel like funny i feel like you could imagine that going on in any of the ships yeah it's like a lot of lower decks episodes i feel like some trekkie in the writer's room has just been like hey what happens to this and this after the episode ends you know and what if a pack lid takes a poop in an airlock who cleans it up yeah exactly Uh, so uh, yeah, I thought it was 
a good episode. I mean, I I enjoyed the previous episode as well. I think this one probably definitely has more rewatch value. Mm. I think because we watched them both twice, but this one just has so much going on and gags going on. It felt like a, a fresh start after the previous episode had kind of tied up finally everything from the end of season one. They felt like this was like the start in the new direction um, for the season. And uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I mean, what, what were some of your favourite parts, though? Mm. I liked all the stuff they were doing on the anomaly consolidation. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was just funny, especially because the montage. it ended up being a montage. And it was just getting worse and worse, and mostly for Mariner. Like, poor Mariner. Yeah. She really got, like, fried, chewed oh, yeah. up, spat out. It was funny. Yeah, this whole thing about how Mariner just... Never has anything bad happened to her and all that is that rubbish. She she was on the wrong end of a lot of, also, <laughs> a lot of stuff here. Let's talk about how like she's savvy. When uh, Rutherford blew up, she, she knew exactly what to do. But you know what was interesting? She didn't know what to do when Tandy was a scorpion. I like that. No, yeah. Boimler comes in and Boimler does his stuff. Boimler saved the day a few times this season, and I like it because he's he's earning his stripes, isn't he? He's earning his pips. I was going to say. say. And uh, yeah, I thought that the the montage was really sort of the best part mm. with it. I thought Captain Freeman was quite funny in this episode yeah, when she's yeah. dealing with the Packlids, particularly when they try to get the uh, after the the Packlid spy is like, I managed to do all this and not reveal any of our secrets, oh, yeah. and she's like, You're right. So just so I know what secrets it was you didn't tell us, why didn't you tell me what I missed? And he's kind of like, Yeah, that was. And funny. he mentions they're trying to put a bomb on Earth, which I guess is going to be. I don't know if Lower Decks isn't the kind of show that would necessarily show us that. We may just hear about it having been prevented. Hmm. but um, That's not their kind of mission. Yeah, though. exactly. So I guess we'll get hints that it might have happened and that'll be it. Um, the Packers, though, are so thick. Like, I, I, I mean, if I hear one of them say, we are strong, again, I'm just going to be like, oh. Yeah, they're just got, they've just got strong ships right now is the, the thing that's working in their favour. Someone's definitely pulling the strings. I don't know who. But who? It will be another Trekkers. I've seen some theories online as to who. Okay. Do I um, know these people? Yeah. Some people think it's Law. Really? Because apparently Law, obviously he got mentioned in an episode two weeks ago, mm. but uh, he was also set up in uh, season one episode. The whole concept of Law, I think, was mentioned, I think, in an episode. I can't remember which one. So I've seen online people think that maybe Law could be doing it because they reckon that Brent Spiner probably would find it quite funny to do lower decks because Spiner just takes the piss out of himself and Trek anyway so people could kind of see him wanting to do lower decks uh, which would be uh, which would be quite funny given that you know he, he was adamant 18 years ago whatever it was that he wouldn't be playing Data or any of these characters again really? and now he's back playing Data uh, on Picard why was he so adamant that he wouldn't do it he's done with it I think he was probably sick of the yellow paint and all that animation though gives him a different mm. Different life. His voice sounds the same now, I think, as it always has as data. So, uh, yes, some people think it could be law, mm. which uh, would be interesting. But we'll see. And, right, should we talk about it then? Yeah, this bit was so funny. This was by far my favourite bit of this episode, I think. So, um, a kind of spoiler, I guess, for her first track is that you have seen Skin of Evil yeah. from TNG. We haven't aired your thoughts on it yet, but you have watched it. So you have seen uh, Armus. The black oil creature. Hashtag too soon. <clears throat> hashtag too soon. Um, hashtag poor Tasha Yar. And in this episode, right, right at the end, Mariner managed to keep this like stone, which allows you to talk to people on a different planet. And I love that they all thought to speak to Armus, who's on is stuck in his own on this planet anyway, 
thinking of his next evil plans uh, if anyone ever shows up. But then they start talking to him, calling him, uh, what was it, a, a puddle of... Crap. Yeah, whatever choice of word, piss or shit, whatever she's going to go with, Tendi. I just, I'm just there laughing in the background. I just I you hear Rutherford barely laughing. And like, shh, 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 shh. Yeah, I just thought <laughs> this was hilarious. And they just drive Armus mad and we, we end up cutting away. And this is the first time we've seen Armus since that episode. So uh, I thought it was quite funny knowing that he's still around or they're still around. I don't know. Gen- it's just really Armus, funny but... because like if you if you think about some of the trouble they could cause with other planets and doing that like they could start a war but they're just like oh my god this will be hilarious guys come on also the fact that they would have known that there's no one else on that planet so they could get away with it and no one would know <laughs> yeah, yeah. they could just torture i'd love it if they keep doing that oh yeah like imagine that becomes Armistice's fate that uh it's quite funny now knowing that they've mingled with a character that you know we've seen almost two decades earlier would Isn't have it been funny, though? with the tng crew when they're like Hey, come you better come over here. We're touching this stuff. And he's like, Hey, no, get off. What stuff? Like, you live in a pile of rocks on your own <laughs> and you're just a pile of goo. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no offense, Odo, but you are just a pile of goo. Yeah, black goo. That's different to Odo. We don't oh, respect yeah. the black goo. Uh yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, when he first showed up, I was slightly I was like, oh, man, I said that's a bit too obvious. Not obvious cameo, because it wasn't obvious, but it's a bit too, like, that's a proper cameo, you know? I was a bit surprised um, that they did it, but uh, it felt, on second view, and I thought that's actually quite perfect, uh, because it's, yeah, it's a character that is stranded, has not been done, had anything done with them since, and probably will never have something done and with them again. So we hate him, so he deserves to be trolled in that way. Exactly. Exactly. Can't stop you on him. So you said you enjoyed that episode then. You said you preferred it to the first one. Yeah, it was really, um, really good. It's quite interesting to talk about them both side by side because it gives mm. you kind of like a bit more of a, a ability to scale. Comparison, yeah. Comparison, yeah. No. Comparison. Well, that's a sign it's too late now as we're doing that. So yeah, weird episode for us this week. We're just kind of racing through it. I don't think I've talked this fast on a podcast ever, but I hope you enjoyed this show. We'll be back next Tuesday with a proper review. Promise. Yeah, promise, promise. We'll even record it earlier in the weekend so that I can have time to actually edit. Um, but we are parents. And that's one of the joys of this show is that you listen to two parents who are trying to talk about Star Trek whilst raising a family. And, and... we literally haven't spoken to each other all day. So yeah. every thought that we have just comes spilling out. This is the first time I've sat down with you all day. Yeah. Yeah. And the day's about to end. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well done. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Katie, I'll let you, you see us out. Thanks, this everyone. Week. See you next week. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Yeah, so we cut to night time. Harry sneaks out of the bed and starts looking up Voyager with his security codes, etc. Um, again, should be in underwear, but... Computer, show me Tom Paris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> show me his location right now. Oh, he's 450 metres away. <laughs> hey. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was Grongle. <laughs>
He's like, I have to go to a hookup. Libby, I have to go to bear. I have to he found he found him on, on Space Star Trek Grinder and he's like it's Space Grinder. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4 Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. And Picard's the other character trying to solve the mystery. So he leaves for that reason alone. It could be, and it could really be any character. Any one of of the main cast members could have gone with Data and been there with Data several days later, trying to solve what happened to the Enterprise. It's it, it it's very very much a kind of a, a plot reason and nothing more. I think. Yeah, um, I kind of wish Data had stayed on the ship actually, because I would like to have seen him regress to a pocket calculator. <laughs> Computer, deactivate Holosuite.